Hey, man. So this is our first podcast. This is Rob. Uh, joining me today is Mr. Enrique. We up, are everybody? going to be doing, there he is. We are going to be doing the three major sports podcast, uh, basically trying to add into the blogs that we've done in the past and just sort of the conversation we can have that's a little more intuitive than, than the blog posts have been in the past. So we're going to go over the three major sports today. Uh, we'll do a section for each just since it's our first podcast. Uh, we're going to go over some beginning of the baseball season here first. I'm going to have Enrique kick it off and sort of have some conversation about that. Absolutely. So, again, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, so kicking off with uh, our first topic, we're going to talk about baseball. We are about uh, two and a half weeks into the season. And uh, so we'll start off with my fan fandom, as we're going to call it. Uh, so I'm a big Marlins fan, right? Yay me. A uh, couple World Series titles in our history. And a lot of misery to go along with it. Uh, Marlins out of the gate struggled a little bit this year. We uh, won uh, one out of our first five games, I believe it was. And it was not looking good. Despite our starting pitching, uh, giving up less than three runs in their first like 26 innings, we still couldn't win a game. The bullpen was blowing everything. Uh, and the bats were as silent as silent can be. So... That was not a great start off to the season, right? Well, they did tend to turn it around. We've got four out of the last five are wins. We just took two out of three from the Braves, who absolutely owned us all of last season. So that felt really good. Um, rookie Jazz Chisholm, starting in second base for us, won the starting job out of spring training. Has been a good surprise, a little bit of pop in this dude. We did not know uh, what that was going to look like, but he's got three home runs already this season, starting every day at second base. Uh, with a couple of steals under his belt as well. So a little bit of the pedigree behind Jazz is we're thinking he can be a 2020 guy, get us a couple of uh, some steals and some home runs in the season, and usually came up as a shortstop. Uh, Miguel Rojas plays shortstop now for the Marlins, so Jazz shifted over to second base for the time being. And it seems like it's been working out all right so far. Like I said, we've got four out of the last five have been wins. The bullpen started finally falling into line. Right. We've got uh, we've moved on from our original closer already. Anthony Bass, uh, that dude is just not cutting it. So he is gone. And we've got Yimi Garcia. And yes, that is Yimi. Why am I? Uh, because Yimi. of course, to play for Miami, you've got to have a Y guy on the. Um, on the team. So uh, <laughs> Yimi Garcia has moved into the closing role and he has nailed down. Uh, I believe it's three saves already now this week since he took over the starting job. So uh, hopefully we're going to turn it around. We're going to compete for that National League East title. We've got the Mets and the Phillies ahead of us right now, but we're only about a game and a half back of New York, who is sitting in first place all by themselves. And let's see where the Marlins can go. So uh, what about you guys, Rob? How are you guys doing? Well, before I even get on to that, let me, let me do this. I, I was curious sort of what your outlook is for the Marlins. Where do you see them realistically? That If anybody has, uh, has talked to Enrique before, he can go switch back and forth between rational and irrational pretty quickly. Uh, so sometimes you'll talk to him and you think that the, the Marlins are going to go 160 and two. Other times they need to be contracted and, uh, and the whole stadium blown up. So which, which direction are you sort of leaning right now? What are, what are your expectations for them? It's funny. We're leaning way more towards 162-0 and 0 right now, right? <laughs> we're, we're feeling good about it today. Um, okay. No, but in all seriousness, I mean, we're coming off of our first playoff appearance in 17 seasons, right? So that's a great step in the right direction. We've got a good young core. It looks like after maybe fumbling out the gates and trading everybody who was under contract, Derek Jeter and this front office is starting to figure out how to put it together. Uh, so I'm hoping for a wild card spot again, right? I don't think okay. that we can take this division yet with, uh, I mean, if the Mets keep it together every year, the Mets are supposed to be the best team, right? If they can keep it together with that pitching staff and some of those bats, they're going to be a tough out in the East. Uh, Atlanta's not looking too hot out the gate. So I think realistically we can maybe shoot for that second wild card spot. The first one is definitely going to come from, the National League West, which we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes, but uh, hopefully a wild card spot. That would be a big win for us, and it's a good way to follow up the momentum of building that, that playoff uh, appearance last year. Perfect. All right, that's a great segue into my depressing-ass team. Uh, I am an Indians fan. Uh, anybody who, who has been around me is aware that I'm from Cleveland. 
uh, don't live there anymore, don't ever want to live there again, but follow all their sports teams. Um, we got rid of our best player from the last maybe 15 years over the, the winter. Uh, that was a little upsetting at the time, although I don't know that I'd want to pay any infielder 320 340 million, whatever he got. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I didn't have any expectations coming into the season. Uh, they've started off really well. Um, clearly, our pitching staff is sort of the backbone of our team. Uh, Shane Bieber has been Biebs. pretty awesome coming out of, coming out of the gate. He's got to got to lean on that guy. I was a little worried that first game of the season he gave up three runs to Detroit pretty early. He's like, oh no, is this is his magic gone? And then he he pretty quickly got that back. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to try to lean on him. Uh, got no hit last night against our second best pitcher. Lost eight nothing, and then came back today and won. So, um, they're they're hanging in so far, uh, despite sort of paring down their team every year since we were in the World Series. But um, yeah, that, that's sort of that's sort of my thought. I would assume we could compete for the second wild card. Um, there's no one necessarily in the American League that I'm too too worried about. I know it's very very early, but they sort of share that right now with the the Angels. I'm not super worried about the Angels. I think I asked somebody a couple weeks ago if they could name a picture pitcher on the Angels, and nobody could without looking up on the computer, which huh. is kind of funny. So. Uh, <laughs> I guess Otani would be your only one you could really think of. Griffin Canny. Tommy John surgery. Yeah, and, and that's because of fantasy baseball. I would assume you've searched the waiver wire enough. But <laughs> hey, that's how we're, we're going to know what's up. <laughs> so that's sort of my expectation there. Uh, one other thing we wanted to sort of do while we were still on the topic of baseball is go over a quick surprise team. Uh, we didn't ask each other beforehand what they were, so I'll, I'll ask Enrique now. What, what's your surprise team so far uh, over the first couple weeks? All right, so I was uh, I took this question and I really wanted to, to kind of dig into this, and it didn't take much. The biggest surprise is coming out of the NL West right now, and if you would have told me that two weeks ago, I would have said absolutely, it's, it's the Dodgers or the Padres, right? And it's not. It is the San Francisco Giants who currently have the second best winning percentage in the National League. They're sitting at eight and four with a six sixty seven winning percentage. Uh, honestly, I don't know how the Giants are doing it. Right, Johnny Cueto's had a couple of decent outings, nothing crazy, nothing prime Cueto. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski, who is arguably their biggest name in terms of a bat, has been quiet this year. He's got, uh, I think, one home run so far. Not a high batting average at all. Uh, Donovan Solano, who's usually their batting average guy, he's been there for about three seasons now. He's been their their consistent rock on average. Dude's hitting like 220 or something like that. Uh, so I have no understanding of how the Giants are doing this. Their run differential is only a plus seven, right? And so for perspective, the Dodgers are ahead of them at a plus 32, and the Padres are right behind them at a plus 17. So they're not blowing anybody out of the water. They are in shootouts or they're in very low-scoring affairs. There's nothing overpowering about this team, it seems like, right now, which is why it's so surprising that they are 8-4. and four. Um, So that's my big surprise right now coming out of the uh, NL. Okay, which is good. We didn't overlap because mine, mine is sort of the opposite. Uh, a lot of this is, is the expectation that I would think uh, this team would be good, and then they sort of traded their, their guys away a couple years ago. Um, mine's the Boston Red Sox. I had to look at the standings and double check and make sure they do in fact have the best record in the AL uh, currently, which is, I mean, they, they were like second or third worst last year. So that was pretty, uh, that was pretty surprising to me. Um, they're sort of a little opposite of the, the Giants where they have the highest run differential in the American League right now. So they're sort of bashing people to bits. They had won nine in a row. Uh, they lost to the Twins last night. Uh, when they replayed the game, they had postponed. Um, but otherwise, they've they've been hitting. They've been let me look at this real quick. They actually lead the American League in runs scored as well. So clearly, their offense is is rolling currently, uh, and and their pitching is holding up so far. So that that's been a big surprise to me. Uh, it doesn't hurt when the Yankees are starting off a little scuffling, um, but yeah, that's that's my early season surprise. So that's that's been kind of weird. Yeah, that is. Um... They have come out of nowhere to kind of storm the gates. J.D. Martinez looks like his old self. He is bashing the ball. And 
uh, once he gets going in the heart of that lineup, it, even with trading their guys away, they've got Xander Bogarts, they've got Rafael Devers. Uh, there's enough in that lineup, I think, to maybe not carry them all the way through the season, but definitely make them respectable. Uh, and it's really going to come down. I mean, we see that run differential you mentioned. It's going to come down to how the pitching can hold up, too. I mean, the bats have to be there, but, um, I mean, sales on the IL. I, I Nathan Evaldi, how long can you depend on Nathan Evaldi? Uh, so right. that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, that actually coincidentally knocks me into my second surprise so far this season. And it's the AL East as a whole, right? This is supposed to be the one of the premier or the premier division in baseball between uh, typically the Sox, even though we didn't expect them this year, the Yankees, the Rays are the defending AL uh, champs. And then Toronto's got, you know, the baby boomers on there, the, everybody's kid right. with Bichette and Vlad and um, Biggio. Biggio, so, yeah. Yeah, so they're sitting at 5-7, at seven, and the Yankees are sitting at 5-7. at seven. Uh, Yes, Garrett Cole has been phenomenal thus far for the Yanks, but uh, they took a flyer on Kluber, your old boy there, and they took a flyer on Jamison Tyone coming off of like a year and a half of injury. And it doesn't seem like those are paying off right now. So they just lost Domingo Herman down. They sent him down to the minors too. So that rotation is kind of falling apart. That whole division doesn't seem like it's gotten its footing yet, which is a little surprising because, again, that is uh, one of the divisions in baseball that we think uh, usually leads the way. What do you got yeah. there? Yeah. Uh, I, I, everybody else seems to just sort of be treading water. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess you could say the Twins being last in the AL Central, but they're tied with the White Sox. Um, I think the Twins are going to be fine. And, and you know, we, we know that this is obviously extremely early. Uh, we're just sort of going over how these start sort of compared to what you assumed before the season started. Um, but, yeah, uh, you, you sort of expected the Twins. They've been picked pretty unanimously to win the AL Central and to be to be down there so far with, you know, sort of a, a rough start has been a little bit surprising, but nothing crazy. Uh, I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, honestly, I think the AL Central is going to come down to the Indians, White Sox, and Twins probably with the twins winning and then whoever finishes second gets a wild card spot. That would sort of be my guess of how it boils down, but we'll yeah. see about that. Yeah, I agree. I think that that second wild card spot in the AL is going to, it's going to go between uh, whoever's second in that central, whether it be Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago, Minnesota, KC, they, they're all bunched up right now. So it could be any of those, or uh, it could be two teams in the West that we expect to do well, who are not floundering, but, could be a little stronger with the Angels and the Astros. Uh, so that's a wide open race. That's what I love about this second wild card spot is that, you know, for for years we knew that we can kind of determine real early who that wild card spot was going to be when it was just one. But now that we had that second one, you know, you get a lot more variety into that second team. I mean, hell, the Marlins made the second spot last year. So uh, right. I love it. Yeah, it's definitely something to look forward to as we get this season cranking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to basketball. Uh, sort of our, our thought process on basketball was sort of going over the um, the playoff race and how that looks, how the seating sort of looks based upon the different guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, there's been a couple reports lately about uh, front offices sort of grumbling about the shortened offseason and the condensed schedule the second half here, uh, and it causing a bunch of injuries. We've seen guys lately go down. LaMarcus Aldridge retired today. Uh, Jamal Murray tearing his ACL uh, that sort of took Denver who who I actually thought was a legitimate contender uh, for the title not just the West but the whole thing um, up until three days ago so just trying to work our way through that and sort of see where teams are going to end up didn't even mention the Lakers who are clearly missing their two best players um, two of the probably five best players in the league so yeah. sort of wanted to go over that a little bit and and be a little more open uh, with the, the conversation. Um, so the Sixers beat the Nets last night. We'll go through the East first real quick. Uh, Sixers beat the Nets last night. Not only did that give them sole possession of the one seed, but also gave them the tiebreaker for the season. So now the Nets would have to be a game ahead of them to get the one seed rather than, uh, rather than tied with them. Uh, so what do you think that sort of advantage that Philadelphia holds now, what do you think that means to them? And what do you, do you think the Nets need to be 
home court or or do you think Philly needs it more than the Nets do? Yeah, that was uh that's kind of my thought process with that one too is uh Philly definitely needs it, right? Philly for as well as they've performed this year, Embiid is the superstar that everybody says he is. He has <laughs> uh in the games that he has played, he has basically proven that to us this year. But I'm so happy still... to hear you say that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, there's no denying that at this point, right? <laughs> so, but that still doesn't make me feel overly confident about that team because of the fact that we're talking about this juggernaut of the Nets on the other side. So, how many games have those big three played together? I think it's like eight, nine games in total. Uh, and if they that. don't slow if that right. And even when they're not grouped in together, these they're still destroying teams. Um, Across the way now, yeah, we we just said that they lost to the Sixers. Obviously, we're not gonna we're not gonna win every game, but they have looked out of this world phenomenal. It has looked pretty effortless for the most part. Uh, when Blake Griffin becomes like your fifth guy or your fourth guy, that makes him look way better than he has for five years in Detroit, trying to right. carry an entire franchise on his back. Right. Um, you can see like the relief in this guy as he plays. I don't think home court's going to matter to them. I think that if those three particular players, uh, KD, James Harden, and and Kyrie, decide that they're just going to run through everybody in the East, if they really do put their head to it, I don't think that there's a team in the East that can stop them. I think think your best bet is the ultra-defensive 76ers. Um, But can they do that four out of seven games in a 15-day period? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to take – either an injury like what we were talking about that's been kind of derailing teams thus far this season or some crazy turn of events for Brooklyn not to come out of the East at this point, right? Do you see anybody, aside from Philly, uh, do you see anybody challenging Brooklyn on the way to what will probably be that Eastern Conference Finals matchup? Sure. So when I look at it, and I, I listened to a different podcast the other day and was sort of telling you about this beforehand. When I look at it, it's it's – trying to figure out how these brackets are going to break down. And it's pretty clear that Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee are sort of either a half step or a full step above the rest of the East. Um, right. Whether it be by the standings or just talent-wise, they just those teams just seem to be another level above everybody else. So if if you were Brooklyn or, or Philly and you're looking at, you know, do we push for the one seed or, the, or does it not matter if we get the two seed? Imagine this as your playoff uh, schedule, sort of you would have to play, as of right now, as the one seed, you'd have to play a first-round game against probably Charlotte and mm-hmm. then a second-round matchup against the Hawks before you meet the winner of the 2-3 matchup. And knowing that there's really only three teams in the East, if you could avoid having to play two of the three best teams and only play one of them, I think that's where the value of that one seed goes up. Um, Brooklyn especially. I mean, imagine them only having to go through Charlotte and, and Atlanta and then play the winner of a Sixers-Bucks bloodbath. That sounds a lot better than having to see Giannis in the second round, personally. I mean, that's what that's that's sort of how it looks to me. I agree that that, that road does seem easier now. You threw out Atlanta there pretty nonchalantly, but they're currently matched up, if it were to end today, against the Celtics. So you right. like Atlanta coming out of that series with Boston? Uh, I don't know what the hell to make up Boston. Honestly, I, I it's I don't know what to I, make of Atlanta. Well, no, they're all they're all kind of nonsense. I mean, all the teams are sort of nonsense. Atlanta's obviously been on a run uh, since they changed coaches over to Nate McMillan. But right, um, right. I mean, <laughs> which good for him, man. Sure, that dude got fired from Brooklyn for no real apparent reason because he was doing a pretty decent job with the equipment that he had available to him. I think you mean, do you mean Uh, Brooklyn or Indiana? No, Nate McMillan? Yeah. That was Brooklyn. No. He got fired from Brooklyn last year. No, he was in Indiana. He was, he was the Pacers head coach because last year in Brooklyn was, um, oh man, it was Kenny Atkinson and then they replaced him with a. Kenny Atkinson. Yeah. They replaced him with some interim and then they got Steve Nash. And he was the Pacers coach. Correct. But yeah, he did get railroaded. Um, he did because I mean, what were you? What were they expecting out of the Pacers? I don't know what. I mean, they're always better. That's a good point. Than, than they're supposed to be, you know. 
Right. And the Pacers did, I mean, they did end up going into the, the, the bubble was weird last year, but they were in the bubble. They, they chat. I mean, they took a couple of games out of the heat who were the eventual East champ in during the bubble. Right. They didn't take any in, in the postseason, but they showed up, they had a decent showing, but yeah, I get what you're saying. He, uh, he did get railroaded right out of that job, and so good for him that that he's been able to jump into Atlanta mid-season, by the way, not even from the beginning right. of the season, and has turned them into a different team since then. Oop, you there? Yep. Now go Got with it. Boston. Um, I, I mean, with Boston, it's so hard to tell because if you're getting if you're getting good Tatum and you're getting good Brown and they have a healthy Marcus Smart, then you would think okay. They have enough guys of, of any fashion that you should be able to defend the Hawks' scores and at least stick with them offensively, if not beat them. Now, if they have a healthy and competent Kemba Walker, then it's probably a wrap, honestly. They probably would win that series. Right. Would I pick them against the Sixers or the Nets? No, I would not. I don't think they can hold it together that long over a seven-game series, especially, I would assume – the Nets will start pushing Durant and Harden a little more once they get to uh, to the playoffs. But, um, I mean, yeah, you're right. I, I, I did sort of say nonchalantly the Hawks. I was really just going off the seating. But, yeah, they're, th- them beating Boston is certainly not a, a, a an easy first-round opponent. Or exactly, exactly. Not, yeah. not at all. Not at all. Nice. So, uh, I agree. I think Boston can definitely put up uh, – put up a, a hard fight with Atlanta and possibly take that series and then really start making things interesting if they are in the next series with, you know, a Milwaukee and it's Boston, Milwaukee, which uh, could be interesting for both of those squads, to be honest. So that presents a bunch of different matchup issues for both sides. Uh, so before we jump over to the West, who do you have uh, now in the middle of April coming out of the East? I, I said I wrote – the last column I wrote in the blog was about the playoffs, and I, I still think it's Brooklyn. I, I actually think Brooklyn's going to win the whole thing. Um, they're sort of known, even before they got all their superstars, as being, like, super conservative with their injuries. So I think that they'll do whatever they can. Like, with Harden, they're not going to rush them back. They, they know that they're – here this year for uh, June and July and not March and April. So uh, I think by the time he's back playing games, I think Durant will be fine the rest of the year. Um, And a healthy Kevin Durant hasn't lost in the playoffs since 2016. So having that guy with Harden as sort of like a backup, if Durant for some crazy reason is struggling and then you can just, Oh, let me just switch over to James Harden real quick. Like, my God. And then, oh, yeah, if they're both off, maybe we'll just go to Kyrie Irving and he can put up 40. Ugh, like, I don't even know what you do with that. All the big threes we've seen, there's always been that guy where you're like, eh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, our team, I'm a Cavs fan. Enrique's a Heat fan. The Cavs had their big three, and it was always like, ugh, you don't know what you're going to get from Kevin Love. Um, the Heat had the big three, and it was always, ugh. I mean, at least from the outside, it was always, what are you going to get from Bosch? Um you know, right. he's not going to be the guys in Toronto. So, you know, you're going to get 17 and eight, or you're going to get 26 and 10. Um, with the Nets, it seems like they could all score 25 on the same night and not mess with each other at all. Because Harden will probably have 12 assists. Right. Both the other guys will be thrilled to death. They'll probably pay, play 30 minutes each and blow someone out by 30. So it's that to me feels like it's going to be really hard barring any injuries to beat them in any sort of series. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I just think they are, once they get firing on all cylinders with those three stars together with the drive that I'm sure Harden feels after not getting the job done again in Houston, after all those years and having to move on KD, obviously we know that he lives for uh, the right. Twitter Slander. and the, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so and so he's he's no he as for somebody who doesn't uh from the outside seem like he takes the criticism so well, he definitely craves it, right? He feeds off of it. So and I think that he's getting a healthy share of it right now. And if that dude turns it into a positive reinforcer in his head, it, I don't think there's anybody that's gonna stop that team in the east or, right. or in the west, really. So yeah, I'm with you. I think they're coming out yeah. of the east. Uh let's talk about the West real quick. Um Man, you, you look at this uh, at the top eight here. I don't have too much 
fear with Memphis. I think Memphis will probably get in and, and stay in even through the play-in tournament. I, I don't think Golden State or San Antonio will cause them too much trouble. But, my God, mm. Dallas has looked so good lately. Um, and everybody above Dallas, uh, the Lakers, when they get their guys back, they'll be, you know, imagine Phoenix uh, <laughs> pulling themselves out of the gutter for the first time in two decades, and then they run into the Lakers in the seventh seed. Like, that just <laughs> – that's your reward for uh, for your turnaround season is is getting hammered. Isn't that insane? Uh, <laughs> and and that's very doable. I mean, the Lakers are right now two and a half games. I'm sorry, three and a half games out of the seven seed. So, you know, if LeBron and AD take a little longer to get back, I know I saw uh, Vogel said AD's cleared for for contact, so they're going to start ramping him up. Uh, LeBron still isn't, and and AD on the Lakers without LeBron is the Pelicans. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not too right. super afraid of that. But once LeBron gets back, he makes the whole thing work. Uh, Denver is currently sitting in the four seed. They're clearly going to drop without Joel Murray. Um, that was just awful because they were playing. That's oh, a gut punch oh. to the league because, like you said earlier, Denver. I mean, uh, this time last week, I'm probably with the with the way the Lakers look in terms of injuries and coming back from that. I was picking Denver to come out of the West, too. That's uh, with Jokic. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. has come into his own offensively this year. I mean, he's still a huge defensive liability, but the dude right. can score. Uh, Murray is is Murray. Murray is – I mean, Dame used to probably be the most underrated uh, guard in the league, but Dame is getting his due credit. Jamal Murray is the most underrated dude in the league. He had his coming out party in the bubble. He's had a great season so far that, I mean, Denver has looked – phenomenal at times so it really is just a gut punch to to the Nuggets fans and to the to fans of just the league that uh, they're gonna get denied probably a, a solid Denver run now in the playoffs because of the yeah and, and honestly that'll bring up a nice topic next year because with the full season it's hard to find a team that has a top four that can match Jokic Murray Porter and Gordon like that's gonna be really hard to deal with in, in on both sides. I mean, even Brooklyn, their fourth best player is probably Joe Harris. Uh, I, I would take Aaron right. Gordon over Joe Harris. I mean, Joe Harris fits with Brooklyn pretty well, but just as a top four, that that's that's pretty damn good. Um, so it, I I think it it sucks for this year because they were just they were looking so so good with uh, with Gordon. He was sort of that missing piece, I thought. Um, but they'll they'll be back next year, and and hopefully we'll see the the foursome sort of come together and. And have a nice season together. Yep. Um, but yeah, just the yeah, absolutely. the West is just a bloodbath, man. It's it's and we didn't even mention the Clippers. The West is going to be fun. <laughs> no, we didn't, and and you know what? We did we did what everybody else does, and we completely ignored the best team in the league, the right. Utah Jazz, right. uh, by record that is. But I mean, I'm going to ask you point blank: Do you think that they crap the bed in the playoffs again? <sighs> That's so hard to to say because it's it's. I think it's just as easy for them to be like to sort of flip that switch and not be the Atlanta Hawks from 2014 um, and, and actually take the success they had during the regular season and bring it into the playoffs. But a lot of that depends on how they can scheme uh, Gobert. Um, he's exactly he's a monster in the regular season. He leads the league in plus minus, which for, for anybody who's going to ever listen to us talk, I'm a real analytics guy. Uh, plus minus for the season, he leads by like a ton. He affects the game as much as anybody else who scores 14 points a game. So if you can keep him on the floor, I agree. That's, but that's the biggest thing, man. Not only just keep him on the floor, but yeah, I mean, and you hit on it. They, they scheme, they scheme him right out of the playoffs every Houston. year, right? They, they, they Houston get somebody, would kill him. They, they pull him away from the rim. They pull him away from the rim. And then the Utah team is nothing like what they show in the regular season. If he's not, rim protecting because they literally have no one else right. on the team with any sort of defensive right. prowess. So that's where the issue comes in. Are you going to be, are you going to get schemed out again and allow them to remove your game changer from the paint where he needs right. to be? Or are you going to, to counter scheme and make sure that you keep him in there and, and try to be the jazz of the regular right. season? I don't know, man, until they can show me that they do it, um, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. That's, that's on me. I am not going to keep falling for this. Uh, until I can see it happen yeah. in the playoffs. Well, and, you know, they 
they sort of skip the slander because the the Clippers blew that that three one lead last year, and then the the Warriors famously blew, blew it in the finals. They blew a three one lead last year too. <laughs> like they, they they and did. and pretty like famously, I, I, that's the series that Murray had two different fifty yeah. point games, right? I mean, that was it was ugly. Yes, it is so. Yeah, yeah, they they got to prove it. It was, and they do. They they get a pass for that. They got to get a pass for that because, and obviously because it was Denver who then yeah. did it again to the Clippers right after that. So I, I get why they get the pass. But yeah, man, they got to show it in the playoffs. Absolutely, them and the Bucks. Well, so that'll be our last NBA thing. The the Bucks, their regular season is meaningless if they don't do something in the playoffs. Nobody cares. And I mean, Agreed. they may have be stacked up against it because they're not the best team in the East, like they maybe were the last couple of years. Um, so it's going to be a little right. harder. Uh, but yeah, the, the Bucks too. I think the Bucks, the Jazz, and the Clippers are all in the same boat. Nobody really cares what they do now. They want to see it in June. So we'll we'll see how that one pans out too. So who do you got uh, going to the finals Ugh. out of the West? Ugh. God, and this. Assuming the Lakers get healthy, like I want to say, Clippers. I really do. That's who I picked last year too. I thought the Clippers were going to win the whole thing, yep. and then they, they just went insane. So did I. Um, I've never seen Kawhi just sort of look lost, and I don't know if that was just their lack of a point guard or what. But, uh, yeah, that, I'll say the Clippers just because they're the only one without real, like, terrible injury concerns. Because I'm not going to – I don't think I could say Utah right now. I probably wouldn't say Phoenix. Uh, Denver, clearly not. The Lakers, who knows. The Blazers are just like smoke and mirrors. I don't know how the hell they're in the top six. Uh, right. Dame and McCullough. Yeah. Well, yeah, Dame. I mean, Jesus. But yeah, that's yeah. So yeah, I'll go Clippers. I mean, so it's funny that it's funny that you say that because of the uh, the injury stuff. I'm gonna go with okay. Phoenix. Phoenix has. Uh, I wrote preseason that there was something cooking out there in the valley. I think that. They have really put it together. Chris Paul continues to defy age and time. Uh, he is uh, just phenomenal. He's providing the experience that these young guys need out there. It, it, you can see it at, at, in end-of-game situations when he takes control. Uh, they have remained basically as healthy as anybody in the league, right? Dev hasn't had any injuries. He's out there balling. Chris Paul is doing it. DeAndre Ayton is starting to look more and more uh, every game like a number one overall pick that he is. Uh, they've got those nice little additions that they took. They got Jay Crowder over from the Heat this offseason, who's been invaluable for them. He's starting games for them now. And, again, that's uh, defensive awareness, couple threes, and then just that experience of having some guys that have been there before, I think is going to guide them through the playoffs. I think that if they stay healthy, uh, this team is dynamic enough to go toe-to-toe with pretty much anybody in the West. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on them. I'm going to say that Phoenix puts it together in May and that they come out in June into the finals. So so you think that Chris Paul makes his first finals at like 37 or 38 years old, whatever he is right now? Do you think that the sports gods would have it any other way? <laughs> I did hear something before we switch over to football. I did hear something funny the other day that he's so like such a crazy competitor and why his teams lately have been so good in the regular season is just because of how competitive he is and how he keeps all of his teammates sort of on this track. And it makes it so they don't have another gear to go to once you hit the playoffs. And, and part of me is like, man, there might be something to that. Cause he, he does. I mean, he's, no, he's brought, I, I agree. He brought uh, Oklahoma city, you know, they thought they were tanking last year and then they're the six seed sort of by accident. Um, right. And then they get to the playoffs and it's like, yeah, whatever. Okay. So it, Chris Paul is the poster boy of all Ab- gas, no brakes, all the time. Absolutely, you need you need that uh, that fifth gear to switch to like a sports car. Go ahead. I agree, I agree. That could be something that that uh, that affects them going down the stretch when everybody else is gearing into that fifth year. If they've been running fifth year for three months, that could affect them. But uh, let's see. This is going to be a fun playoff, absolutely. especially in the West. All right, let's uh, let's flip over to football real quick. Uh, we've gone a little longer than we were planning, but this is this is fun, so that that's okay. <laughs> um, yes, it is. So we wanted to go over sort of the beginning of the draft, right? That was that was what we were going. The first five picks. Yep. Draft. Uh, draft is next Thursday, from when we are recording tonight. Uh, it's two weeks from tonight. You're right. Two yep. weeks from tonight. So we are rapidly closing in on draft. So we're night. we're really going to be thinking about pick one through six, and then pick twenty six. Uh, six is the Dolphins. Twenty six is the Browns. 
And then the uh, well, I guess you got another one somewhere, like like twenty one or 18. 18, 18. There we go. 18. So we have two Dolphins picks, yes, sir. The Browns pick, and then we'll do one through five. Uh, I I we can uh, we'll kick it off. We can kick it off with one, and I will give you the honors of your former coach, my former coach too, yeah, as a well, Gators yeah. fan, but most recently of the Buckeyes and Urban Meyer and those Jacksonville well, Jaguars. So you can yeah, pick, that, pick that's one. an easy one. And I've read a couple things, uh, and and geez. I guess we can say people's names because nobody nobody cares what we're saying yet. But Chris Sims said that he would take Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. What in the hell is is? I mean, you're a respectable man who's played the position. What are you doing? I, I that gives me a headache. I can't. Okay. I can't do that. I I, uh, I I I hear you. I do. But like you said, Chris Sims is one of the most respectable guys, especially when it comes to quarterback rankings. He. And as a Dolphins fan, this is not the ledge that I'm going to die on, but he did not believe in Tua. He had Tua ranked like fifth or sixth out of his QBs last year. He, from day one, said Justin Herbert was um, the guy. I think he even had him above of Joe Burrow last year, which is really what raised a bunch of eyebrows there. Uh, and Justin Herbert was phenomenal, obviously. I mean, if Burrow didn't blow his knee, Burrow probably wins Offensive Rookie of the Year and, and takes all the awards, but... Herbert looked phenomenal. So maybe Sims is onto something with this Wilson guy. I don't know, man. I mean, the last time anybody put any faith into a BYU quarterback, we got tied down right, out of this. Right. So that's a uh, that's a big that's a big thing to take into consideration. I mean, this, but yes, this is with uh, no research. But go go. Please, but just, you think? just off the top of your head, can you think of what the biggest game that he would have played was? No, I have no idea who BYU's rivals even would be. It'd probably a big or like team. Utah or somebody. I mean, I, I know he lost to Coastal Carolina yeah. last year, and I know they were they were ranked. But what? <laughs> we're really we're really doing that, huh? We're like we're yeah, we're yeah. we're doing another dude over Trevor Lawrence who lost to Coastal Carolina, and Trevor Lawrence won a title as a freshman. I I I don't see how this is anything but a slam dunk. I I, I would assume the Jaguars are they probably already turned in the Trevor Lawrence card. Uh, Urban's probably already got it sitting in Cleveland at the at the draft desk that they're building right now, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't see any other way. So Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, number one. That was very long winded, but Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> no, I agree. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence should be the number one pick. Uh, Jacksonville's new savior, and see how they can uh, get over the whole Blake yeah. Bortles catastrophe of the past ten years of the right. franchise. It seems. Uh, so, sitting at two, we've got. Our rival, the Dolphin rival, New York Jets, and new coach Robert Sala, and well, I mean, we can all, we all know where they're going, right? They're taking a quarterback. They just traded uh, Sam Darnold to right. the Panthers. Uh, they got decent return, but nothing that you would expect for someone who you drafted third in the draft just four years ago, three, three yep. years ago, whatever it was, um, three years. So they're definitely going quarterback. I mean, everybody's got them taking. Um, yeah, Wilson. Right. I mean, I don't see how and this, again, goes into we don't exactly know what we're looking at. Right. We watch football and we can break down as much as we can. But there are people who know more than us. They're putting Wilson up there. I don't see how it's not Justin Fields with everything that we saw from Justin Fields, not only throughout his regular season playing, but just that game that he put up in the. in the college football playoffs where he had like six touchdowns dude did it all. He threw, he ran, he looked phenomenal. I don't see how it's not Justin uh, Fields, but it seems like it's going to be uh, this kid Wilson from BYU for the jets. Now listen again, I'm all for it, right? J E T S sucks, 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 sucks. Uh, so they can take Wilson all day. I think they're going to flop with him, but I do think that this kid is going to go number two to the jets. Yeah, yeah, you seem to be sticking to popular opinion, which uh, I don't understand either, honestly. I know I'm a little biased, and I try to take that out of it, uh, being a Buckeye fan. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the Wilson stuff. I don't get it. Um, you you listen to some pretty respectable draft people, and and one of them will have Fields fifth of the big five quarterbacks. And one will have them second. And you're like, all right, what are you guys seeing that's so different? I mean, there, there's going to be five that are taken right. by. Uh, I just I, – I'm confused right. of, the, of the order. It seemed so simple, and they, they seem to 
mess it up. <laughs> but saying that, I'm going to go pick yep. number three. So I'm going to go with what I think the team is going to do and not what I'm going to do. I think that the San Francisco 49ers traded three first-round picks to get Mac Jones. I don't like that at all. I think that's really dumb. But at the same time, Kyle Shanahan is basically an offensive whisperer. So it's hard for me, some dude sitting in his guest room, to be, like, questioning Kyle Shanahan. But, my God, like, that dude was a backup until this year. <laughs> and I, he has the best college football players in the country on his team. Uh, are, are we really sure he's that good? It's a lot of the same – it's a lot of the same argument that people had against taking Tua so high last year. Now, Tua had a much better prospect pedigree. He was like the highest yeah, he's a five quarterback star. out of high school. In, right, and he beat like out forever. Matt Jones. <laughs> yeah, so I, I see it. Correct. So I, I agree. I think I think that this dude just traded up uh, a king's ransom to move to take Mac Jones. I I can only imagine it's because he just has dreamt about how this dude can run his particular offense. His skill set must fit what he wants from there, right? I mean, what do we what do we know about Mac Jones? That he can throw an accurate deep ball, which is something that Jimmy Garoppolo could not do. It's something that if Jimmy Garoppolo could have done, the 49ers would have won that Super Bowl a year and a half ago and not the Chiefs because he overthrew a game-winning touchdown with like a minute and a half left. Um, so it leads me down to that. Like what you're saying, Shanahan knows what the hell he's talking about, right? Like we trust this dude offensively. There's gotta be something that he sees, especially to trade three first round picks to go and get this guy when, by, I mean, by what everybody else thinks you can pull this guy out in the middle of the first round, most likely if it weren't for this trade. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to go with Jones. Like you said, I think that there has to be some sort of legitimate reason in this man's head to do this. I don't, know if that's what I would personally have done at three, especially after trading three first round picks to get there, but uh, let's see. Let's hope, hopefully it works out for him, man, because I really yeah, like Yeah, the, the one thing that gives me hope, because I am sort of rooting for Justin Fields, and, and really what I'm rooting for is is the further he falls down, the better teams are there, and, you know, my, my worst nightmare is him being a Patriot or him being a Steeler. Uh, so if there's any way to get Justin Fields off the board before Oof. we get down into that uh, level... That would be fantastic because if I have to see that guy for a decade, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, same same thing with him in the as a Patriot. If he gets there, they're I mean they're going to turn him into a star. I, I you can just see that from a mile away. So, hundred um, percent. I, I just 100%. I hope that they he gets his head on straight. And and to Shanahan's credit, they did send all their brain trust to uh, Fields. He had a second pro day yesterday. He sent all the all the brain trust there. So. Maybe that means that they they still are open to, mirrors. to that type of thing. That would be that would be good. I know the Falcons yeah. were there yesterday too, because um, there was only three or four teams that came, and the Falcons and Niners were two of them. So that that might lead you to your next pick. Well, that's interesting. That takes <laughs> us right into yeah. That leads us right into the into the four pick. So I guess for Atlanta, right, the million dollar question for the next two weeks is. How long are we going to rest our caps on the Matt Ryan cap post or whatever it is you rest your caps on, right? How long are we going to rely on Matty Ice? He's getting up there in age. Um, he has had some up and down seasons. He uh, Obviously, we know he can do it, right? He's been an MVP. He's been to the Super Bowl. If not for one of the greatest choke jobs in the history of sports by their team, they would have won that Super Bowl. But uh, I think that they are going to decide – to take advantage of the situation that they're in, right? They're in a draft that's got five, maybe six legitimate pro uh, prospects that you can take and either build behind Ryan, use Ryan as uh, trade bait, like the beginning of the season. You know, everybody, there's always injuries in preseason, right? Teams get desperate right after preseason. So I think they do take a quarterback. The, <laughs> the popular opinion is Trey Lance from uh, North right. Dakota State, is it? Yep, Carson North Wentz. North Dakota State. So, again, I mean, if we're going to compare it to Carson Wentz, and that was like a meteoric rise and a tremendous fall from grace almost immediately, it is the issue that we get when taking kids from these small schools is 
we don't know what you've competed against. You, everybody looks good if you're passing against dummies and uh, you're running, you're throwing to open receivers. But what can you do in the NFL? I don't think that Trey Lance is the answer at four. I think if you're going to take a quarterback, um, I think Justin Fields is the guy. I think, I think Justin Fields is going to be one of those gems that we look back in five years and go, man, how – like a Deshaun Watson almost. Like how did you fall – this far from the top picks in the draft, and this is what you're able to do. Uh, I think he's, he's primed for success. I think if Atlanta takes him, it's perfect scenario for him. He's got good receivers there. He doesn't have to step in day one and be the savior of a franchise, which we know right. can really throw people off, you know, like Josh Rosen over in Arizona when that happened to him. Um, I think that they should take Justin Fields. I don't know if they will, but that's what I would take at four. Uh, and start building around them, man, and just hit the reset button while you still have Ryan on capable yeah, feet. Yeah, and I you mean, don't I, have to I plug this dude in. I think that one. one makes the most sense. It doesn't hurt that Fields is also from Georgia. Was gonna go to Georgia. I mean, was at Georgia for a year. I mean, he was. That 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 would be a natural landing. It was spot at Georgia. Yeah. I wouldn't be upset about that one. Uh, they do have a new coach, right? They have Arthur Smith uh, from Tennessee, and he sort of turned that offense in Tennessee from this like plotting yep. blah. Yes, and turn Ryan Tannehill into someone who they paid a hundred million dollars for. If that, if right, right, a, a converted wide receiver. Now you're talking Ryan about Tannehill, a five-star quarterback who was one B to Trevor Lawrence's one A uh, out of high school uh, has been right, right, and has been to two different college football playoffs. Yeah, and all through the recruiting process started. Uh, I, I don't see how you do anything else because your plan is to not pick in the top five again. If if you're there. Get your quarterback and then get out. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I, I, I mean, point. I would agree. I, I could not see be them back. going Kyle right. Pitts, but I, I, so. I would say – I would agree with you. I would say it would be Justin Fields. Uh, nice. Yeah, this will be a quick one. All right. They're, they're to in your a great home position where they don't need a quarterback, so they don't really have to deal with any of that. And then that means that every player at any other position – is available, which is awesome oh, yeah. for them. Uh, and it also means that they get to pick from the two yep. probably best position groups in the whole draft in the offensive line and wide receivers. I would say, based upon Joe Burrow getting murdered last year, that they need to pick Penny Sewell from Oregon. Uh, I don't see any reason why your first priority shouldn't be to get a just what seems to be a Pro Bowl 10-year stick him at left tackle and you never have to talk to him again type of guy. Uh, that's sort of what you want from Burrow is him to be an elite quarterback for the next 10 years, protect his blind side. So that would be my pick, Penny Sewell from Oregon. I, uh, I agree with everything you said just now. I also think that if you are – Bengals brass right now, you would be inclined to listen to Mr. Burrow and see what it is yeah. that his opinion is. And for all we know, his opinion is, hey, man, don't get me fucking hit anymore. Get me a left tackle and protect me. But, right, I mean, for all we know, he could be looking at him and go, yeah, Chase is the guy. And go get me my dude from college. Go get me the guy who I've got chemistry with, I've got comfort with, I've won uh, championships with. Um uh, Go get me Jamar Chase. I wouldn't even be mad at it. Again, you're still going to have to address that offensive line at some point, but to be able to have your pick of the litter of best skill position players in this draft when we can agree that probably everybody ahead of them are just going to be quarterbacks taken, it's it's like you're not going to be – you can find an offensive tackle at 10, right, or at 12 if you're if you get five or six wins next year. Uh, but to get somebody who can change the game on the outside like that and who's already got built-in chemistry with your dude, like the guy who you know, is, I mean, barring another traumatic injury, is going to be your guy for the next decade, uh, I think that's almost too tempting to pass up. Yeah. So I can see them taking Sewell, Honestly, but I can see them chasing uh, Chase, Chase. Sewell or, uh, or Pitts. Any of the three, would, you'd, you'd completely understand where they're going. Uh, I don't know that I would necessarily, as a fan, be mad at them for any of them. You're not going to be mad if they're drafting a, yep. a receiver. Uh, last time they drafted a receiver high, it'd be A.J. Green. So uh, they clearly got what they were expecting out of him. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be upset yep. with any of those three, honestly. But I think one of those three is who, who we're looking at at number six. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the Miami Dolphins pick number six in this draft. And first, first I mean, I'm going to shout out our, our front office. Uh, Chris Greer, our general manager. Brian Flores, our head coach. They have turned this franchise around. We were... At the beginning of the 2019 season, the laughing stock of the NFL. We started out by losing six or I'm gonna, seven I'm gonna games. You, first, I'm going to let you go right after this. Go win this. But and we end up winning five games. That I don't know that you can ever compete with the Browns as far as laughing stock. So I don't – I mean, you, 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 I'll give that to you, but let's just keep that in mind. Continue. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, you guys got – you guys are no longer a laughing stock and – Thankfully, the Dolphins aren't either, and it's it's just it's in it's mostly thanks to uh, the great decisions made by Chris Greer, Ugh. by Brian Flores. I mean, they turned Ugh. Laramie Tunsil into four first round picks with trades. I mean, yeah. Laramie Tunsil should get a statue outside of Hard Rock Stadium at this point, and then another, and another one for Greer right after that. So I think at six, uh, playmaker is where we need to go, right? Assuming Sewell's off the board, which. We can use some offensive line help, but that's not what Dolphins fans want to see. That's not what we want to hear. We've got Tua. We've got an offense that, when it was clicking with him last year, um, made some noise. We were able to – I mean, we, we got into a shootout with Mahomes and the Chiefs and only lost by, I think it was less than 10 points or maybe 9 or 10 points. So the offense showed that there was possibilities there, right? What we were missing was another playmaker. We don't have – Anybody across from Devontae Parker to really uh, take the focus off of Parker so that either of them can excel. And I think that with the number six pick, I think that they're going to go really? with Chase or Smith, whichever one of the two wide receivers are left. Yeah, I do. I prefer hmm. Pitts. I think Pitts is the best skill position player in this draft. I think he's he's an absolute monster. Even with Mike Gusecki on this roster. I was going to say, you put him in the Pitts slot like freaking Gronkowski. Uh, Gusecki and Pitts in the slot. They don't have to be. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. This could be a, I mean, I know we don't talk about him in the NFL circles, but this could be a Gronkowski-Aaron Hernandez situation with one of them tucked into the line and one of them in the slot. And, I mean, we have saw what Gusecki can do with his hands. The dude has hands. He can catch anything put around him. Uh, we know Kyle Pitts can do the same. I think that those two tight ends make us uh, an extremely explosive offense. I think that with Preston Wilson as the number two receiver, if he can finally stay healthy along with uh, Will Fuller, that might be enough to to help out Devontae Parker. And I think that Kyle Pitts would be the perfect weapon for it. But I think that they're going to go the more traditional route and take a number two guy to put behind Parker, who would eventually become our number one, either Smith or Chase. Uh, and then we're going to go into this season with Gasecki at tight end, and one of those two receivers, Parker and Will Fuller on the outside, and and kind of go from there. So I think they take a wide receiver. I hope they take Pitts. I think Pitts is the better player and where they should go. But uh, oh my goodness, let's go! Miami has so the Dolphins. Which one? The which one are you, are you putting in there? You got to say one name. <laughs> okay, okay. Well. If Chase is on the board, Chase. If Chase goes to Cincy, like I think he should okay. and might, then right. I think they Fair take enough. the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. I, I, I would have, I would have bet anything. You were going to say Kyle Pitts and only Kyle Pitts, but and then at eighteen, <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a huge Gator <laughs> fan. I it would be my wet dream for the Dolphins to draft Kyle Pitts at six. What a gift for Detroit uh, if that dude's still on the board. Sure that that's my what God. they're going to go with. But I would love it. Uh, so that's Oof. at six. Oh yeah. my God! Right? Um, my God! Jared Goff is like, please. Okay, tell me eighteen. Yeah, yeah. To go throw on. to please anyone. Um, and then at eighteen, eighteen's our next pick. Eighteen, like I just addressed with our offense. If you noticed, I didn't talk about our running backs because Miles Gaskin, as great as he's been for a seventh round pick, is not the future at running back. Uh, I think we need a running back at eighteen. I think Najee Harris would be the guy if he's still on the board. I know 
people shy away from taking running backs in the first round because they are the most easily replaceable um, position. I think they should take Harris right there and just be done with it, right? And it's a slam dunk. We know what we're going to get out of this guy. This guy's a monster. But um, I'm not sure that's what they're going to do, right? The defense can use some edge help. I think that either the two guys out of Miami, uh, Jalen Phillips or Greg Russo, would be excellent pickups to put on the end of this um, on the end of this defensive line. But let's see. I'm hoping for a running back, but I can see them trying to strengthen up that pass rush and taking one of those UM guys, keeping them at home, putting them on the end of the line. So I will officially say that they take uh, Greg Russo at eight. Uh, quick, quick question. But if he's you. not on the board, then what I really hope we go with Najee Harris. Round? Is it pick 18 in the second round, or do you have one at the beginning from the Texans? I believe we have one, the one in the beginning That's from the Texans. We have four man. picks in the top 50. So I believe two, uh, or I'm sorry, six. So six you can easily get a running back at pick six of the are second round also and be happy ours. with that. Okay. We can. We can. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's the kid from UNC Williams, um, I'm super down with that too because I think he looks like a stud. I just think that Najee Harris I mean, is shit. Even if you walked away with uh, the best back in this draft, at, uh, at, in the second round, that wouldn't be bad either. Uh, yeah, can't yeah, be mad I, at it. I texted you. I would not be bad. I think at the beginning of free agency and said that I thought the Dolphins were going to win twelve games, and I'm I'm not typically supportive of your Miami teams, uh, but that one that one just seems too simple. They've they've done pretty much everything right uh, the last two years, like you said. Um, so I'm well, yeah, I mean, we've been under the same scenario, whether Tua can put it together or not. Any, if that kid, if that kid can just get the ball out of his hands in a reasonable amount of time, we will be, which, successful. you know, coming because off I the trust him to make the right decision and I just not having a little bit faster is, I mean, it, it's a miracle. The dude's playing football. Let's just, let's, yep. let's start with that. And, uh, and, Absolutely. I agree. I agree, which well, is why I'm not one of these Dolphins fans falling for right. his head on a spike like uh, some are here in Miami after last season, which I don't get why. I mean, uh, it's it's too soon. We've invested too much in him. He's shown well, imagine so being much a in college Bills fan that and get there's no reason Allen to not year roll two with him. And now. seeing what he did in year three. Like, well... Even even that's Baker. Exactly, that's actually the most recent example that you can use, and it's perfect. It, it really sure. is. And and you're talking sure. about a guy that you yeah. got. And, and I'd even use Baker in that school. same. Uh, right, right. He he was good in year one. He was terrible in year two. After year two, and he was good yep. again. Um. So I yeah I I don't have any problems personally. I I don't get yep. any problems with Tua. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be awesome. I think he'll be better this year. And I think year three and four he's going to blow up. So, but, but, you know, what do I know? <laughs> uh, as far as the Browns, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a legitimate so bring us, bring us the, home with the Browns, the baby. The Browns. Team by some miracle. Um, honestly, I think we go best available. Uh, there has started to be some rumblings about them trading up to get the best corner available in the draft. Uh, I'm not sure what they would – Another yeah, I could even see them maybe not going Jr. as high for him. I, I have a feeling their goal is more J.C. Horn. Um, they tend to like the taller uh, the taller corners. Uh, Greedy right. Williams is real tall and skinny. Uh, even Delpit's not a midget. Okay. Um, so, yep. yeah, that's that could be one way. If not, it's going to be best available. Uh, either Zayvon Collins from Tulsa. Uh, I could see uh, one of the two dudes from Alabama. They have a tackle and a and a defensive tackle, offensive tackle and defensive tackle, that could be in that range. Um, so yeah, there's there's a few I could see uh, if they don't trade up. But with uh, with signing Clowney at this point, it's just sort of whatever you can get your hands on is sort of all you're looking for, which is which is awesome. Woof, woof. 
Isn't that a wonderful place to be as a fan? Right. Isn't that Which a wonderful is always place seems to be, to be just what the get teams whatever you can do. get and Somebody let's go back to work. And some star will fall, like Patrick Queen will fall to the Ravens at like 29. And you'll be like, how the hell did they get the defensive rookie of the year at pick 29? What is going on? Yep. <laughs> but that's the, that's right. That's yep. right. So that's the hope. Uh, time to, it's you know, time to be on the winning end of that. I've seen a couple mocks where the, uh, the uh, one of the other Miami dudes falls to him, Jalen Phillips. If he goes down to to twenty six, I could see that too. So, Jalen Phillips, yeah, yeah. And I, and I'm not I'm not a Hurricanes homer, right? I'm not. But those two kids on the end coming out of Miami sure. are like legit pass rushers. Those guys are monsters coming off the end. Uh, <sighs> so if you can end up with any of those two. Richards or, or yeah. Russo, which hopefully yeah. if well, they, take them, that'd be we're great. already going to have those guys are, are winning picks, the additions they've made uh, and with with that defensive line there <laughs> I think Andrew Billings is going to be their yeah. first backup and he was like a top tier free agent last year he just hurt his knee so he didn't play all year but they'll they'll have a pretty good rotation on the line so we'll see we'll see well hey excellent we will see Football so, hey, man, season is rapidly we, approaching. Uh, we We've got the draft in two 30, weeks, so we will definitely We're now at minute see. 66. So let's, uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks for listening to our first episode. Uh, any questions yes, or any, uh, any topics you want to see us talk about in the future, uh, we'll have it posted on the blog, and we also have a comment section on the, on the podcast. Let us know, and uh, we'll, we'll have another one in a little while here. Take care, everybody. Enrique, thank you, sir. Alrighty. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you, buddy. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure.